allergy day, huh? Right? Yeah. I woke up and I was like, oh, why does it feel like I drank orange juice? I did not. Yeah. Are you allergic to orange juice? No. No, I woke up this morning. It just like, you know, I had all that weird, like thick spit. You're welcome, everybody. That's gross. But (laughs) (laughs) hi. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about my phlegm. Uh, but yeah, I, was like, I don't like this, and it was, it was not cute. Yeah, I mean, I'm generally not cute when I wake up, and it was who is less than that. I don't know. Nobody that I'm aware of. What was the question? Who's? I said I'm never cute when I wake up, and she said, "Who is?" Fair. Yeah. Babies. Babes. Babies. <gasps> babies. Speaking of babies, yes. my sister had her baby. You am auntie again. Am auntie again. Yes, uh, she's very cute. She is cute. Um, baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. Yes, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm. What her nickname is yet? Uh, but my mama is coming. Oh, she is. Yeah. When? Uh, hopefully, around uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. Yeah. To come see baby Ruth. To see baby Ruth. D. Which is not actually her. No, name, it's but, not. But. Um. So yeah. Also, welcome. To Ghosts and Hoes. Welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spooky, mm-hmm. aliens, yep. cryptids, murder, most foul. Definitely. Uh, Necrophilia. That, which is never great. Apparently, my phlegm. Ghosts uh. and dicks. <laughs> dicks of ghosts. Ghost dicks. We still haven't gotten there yet. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's there's time. There's plenty. Plenty of time. Um, yeah, so that was... That was that. Um, an auntie again. Mm-hmm. I was an official auntie in March. And that little boy is too cute and he needs to stop being so big before. He's a big dude. He's so cute. Uh, he will be a year old in March. I believe on St. Patrick's Day, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brother and his girlfriend post videos all the time. I'm like, stop being so big because he's walking now oh is he really or he took some steps nice. so well it's just a matter of time it's i'm like uh-oh because if he's anything like my brother uh-oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> better watch out lock everything things you think normally you're like oh yeah no they will he will get into it yeah he'll figure it out um, yeah, my sister had a baby. What else has been going on? Nothing, really. Uh, right? Um, oh, we have a new patron. Oh, hello. April. Hi. Hi, April. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Um, <clears throat> last week we were talking about the hot brother from, um, Haunting of Hill House. I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy because I'm like, I know his name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. He played Stephen Crane, and his name is Mikiel Hoosman. He's Dutch. And he also played Dario Naharis on Game of Thrones. Ah, there it is. What? Yeah, which the, the Dario sec- Naharis? The second one, I think. Okay. The one that was there longer. All right. I think. I'm pretty sure he was the second one. Okay. Um, and then... Because all of a sudden there was Dario Naharis, and then the next season started, and I was like, like wait a minute. the same guy. Y'all bait and switched me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I think he was the one that came, that was the, the switch. Yeah. Um, and then 
Hannah Gross from Bly Manor was played by Tania Miller. I had it half right. She couldn't remember her last name. I still don't have any idea what y'all are talking it's about. Fine. So you don't have to. <laughs> Which one is she? Uh, Hannah Gross. Uh-huh. She was the uh, like the housekeeper. The lady caught in the thing. Yeah, the beautiful bald black yes. lady. Yes, yes, yes. Love her. She was amazing. And then she was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, that oh. And then uh, the adorable gardener was named Jamie, mm. and she was played by Amelia Eve. Also, uh, what's his name? Mike Flanagan posted something. Somebody tweeted at him and asked if uh, the last thing that Hannah was going to say to Owen was, and the rest is confetti. Because it was a callback to the first season. He's like, it was. I'm like, you're a monster, Mike Flanagan. If you've watched either of those, you'll know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I found out that the slanket was actually a real thing and not just a 30 Rock joke. Oh. It came out in 1998 before the Snuggie. Pre-Snuggie. Huh. But for whatever reason, not as popular. That's weird. Didn't look into it. Just wanted to know if it was real. And it was. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um... Oh, okay. So a few people have sent this to me okay. today. There's something going on today. Mm-hmm. I may have scream chortled a little bit about it when I first read it. And this is a headline Do go on. from the New York Post. Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle reportedly <laughs> explodes in UK woman's home. <laughs> Her pussy exploded. Uh-huh. Gwyneth Paltrow has an explosive puss. So this is a, this is, uh, this is what the the article said. So oh no, (laughs) oh no, Uh, oh no. This smells like my vagina candle that the actress peddles on Goop exploded into flames in the living room of a UK woman who won the odiferous product in a quiz. According to the Sun, mm. oh no! Uh, Jody Thompson, fifty, told the outlet the candle exploded and emitted huge flames with bits <gasps> flying everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. The whole thing was ablaze, and it was too hot to touch. There was an inferno in the room. That's uh, fantastic. <laughs> her partner David threw the flaming candle out the front door. It could have burned the place down. It was scary at the time, but funny looking back that Gwyneth's vagina candle exploded in my living room. <laughs> I really appreciate your sense of humor, Jody. Like hard, hardcore. This uh, sounds like it should have been a jang. I'm gonna be honest. Right? <laughs> it sounded right? like a perfect jang. Uh, and then it says what the candle smells like, which uh, geranium, bergamot, cedar, uh, rose. Who cares? Okay. Nothing, nothing like her vagina to and, start with. Uh, she said the candle started as a joke between perfumer Douglas Little and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, the two were working on a fragrance, and she blurted out, uh, "This smells like a vagina," but evolved into a funny, gorgeous, sexy, and beautifully unexpected scent that turned out to be perfect as a candle. Okay. And that is, I. I need have died. somebody to tell to find me proof of some a vagina somewhere. That smells like potpourri. Find me one. Because it's not how genitals smell. No. Genitals don't smell like potpourri. No. They don't smell like candles. They shouldn't. Which is why there has never been a candle that has been modeled after a vagina. They shouldn't smell like that. I mean, they shouldn't really. If a vagina smells like cedar, I have questions. I 
the why are you trying to keep mothballs out of your puss? Right. Oh. There's a deeper problem. Oh no, it's that sounds <laughs> like cedar, cedar blocks. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It sounds like an infection waiting to happen. It does. Um, and uh, then uh, that's amazing. Our dear friend Clayton, yeah, tagged us or tagged me in a tweet that made me scream chortle again in my car when I was get when I got here. Yes. Um <laughs> uh it's from Twitter user Lay Ugly, which oh. is wonderful, whoever you are. It says when you're getting ready for bed, but forget about your Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a gif of an explosion. And he Clayton said, This you and Danielle? God, and that's hilarious. It was very. I'm glad everybody's okay, but that's fucking funny. Oh, it's beyond hilarious. It's fucking. That is fucking hilarious. I was like, what? How? What? I've never had a candle explode in a ball of flames. That's amazing. Uh, well, and then the epic badass Mitzi Roberts. Yes. So from Cold last case week, detective if you Mitzi recall, Roberts. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Super cool. She right? followed us on the Twitter. Yep. Uh yep. yeah. So said she's gonna listen. She did. Um I haven't followed up on that. Too scared. Not gonna. Right. We'll just Still we'll see what ride, happens. But that was pretty fucking rad. It was pretty fucking rad. I think like the Samuel Little case for me is similar to Dean Coral for you, where you started, and I'm just like, you have to tap out. I don't know why, but yes, because it was a hard one. Yeah, I got a few messages from listeners. They were like, and that's probably why, to be honest, you got so emotional. I haven't, like, I didn't remember too much about it because I know I've heard podcast talk about him before but that's probably why i didn't know that much information because it just kind of tuned out and that's the thing it's like there wasn't that much to know until the last two years Mm -hmm. and they're still working on it all yeah i made my head itch so um but yeah so i i shared the episode on the twitter like always and retweeted it from my personal account as usual and tagged mitzi roberts in it and she responded, and I was like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So I had to send it to Danielle. Yes, I, I fangirled hard for a minute. Yeah, no, that case was a, for so many reasons, but it's obviously awful. And a lot of the things we talk about are <coughs> awful, but every now and then there's just something that gets you. And, and gets you don't, a, and you can't really explain it. Right. And I it's couldn't. just... Yeah, I it's get that. Just, I've got one of those today. Oh, great! In part, <laughs> it's in just part. I just um, can't get my head around ninety-three women. Ninety-three. Yeah. Um, oh, and I looked it up before I posted the episode last week. Um, Samuel Little is the most prolific serial killer in the United States, but not. I figured it was going to be U.S., yeah. Yeah. Um, I said U.S.? No, I know. It was for me when I was oh, doing okay. it. Oh, okay. Got I it. I wanted to double check before I put the descri- episode description got it, got title. Got it, got it, And I was like, I feel like that's right, but I just want to make sure. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he was, but I, he's very high up on the list. I think he's like fourth. Mm-hmm. Fourth or fifth 
of high skills. And I can't remember who's number one, but uh, Javed Iqbal was yeah. right before him. Well, yeah, because Javed Iqbal was exactly 100. 100. Um, and it went off of like confirmed and then rumored. Right. It was like a really very scary list. Yep. I was like, I don't love this. Not a lot to I love. I don't. Like so it. I went a little lighter this week. Oh, good. I didn't. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're going to end it on a bummer because I go yep, first. You do. And we are. All right. Well, let me. Sorry. Well, we did it last week. Ended on a bummer. So we're doing it this week. So today I've got a strange disappearance. Ooh. So I've got the mysterious disappearance of Dennis Martin. Okay. You heard of this one? I have not. I don't think. So. No. A missing child <laughs> is every parent's worst fucking nightmare. Add the mountains, and you have Z's worst fucking nightmare. You really fucking do. So today I've got the strange disappearance of Dennis Martin, and this one is weird as fuck, and would end with the largest manhunt in the history of the Smoky Mountains National Park. Oh. So here we go. Uh, in June... Of 1969, six-year-old Dennis Martin went camping on Father's Day weekend with his father, Bill, who was hot, by the way. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> Grandfather, Clyde, and his older brother, nine-year-old Doug. The Martin family from Knoxville, Tennessee, had a long-established tradition of the dudes of the family taking a camping trip to the nearby Great Smoky Mountains National Park every Father's Day weekend, and this would have been Dennis's first. Okay. And how old was he again? Six. Six. Almost seven. <sighs> The group of Martin men started their trip at an area called Cade's Cove, where they parked the car. They started at a trailhead and hiked to an area called Russell Field, where the crew would set up camp for the night. The next morning was June 14th and would be the day that Dennis disappeared. The group woke up, had brekkie, did their thing, broke camp, and headed for Spence Field, which is a highland meadow and a popular camping spot that the Appalachian Trail runs through. After a two-mile trek, they reach their destination, and Spence Field runs east to west on the Great Smoky Ridge. It's got streams and creeks on the north side of the ridge, and on the south side of the ridge, descending, it descends down into North Carolina. The area has steep slopes, deep ravines, fast-moving creeks, lots of laurel and rhododendron vines, but the Spence Field itself is grassy and flat and the perfect spot to camp. And the group settled into a shelter cabin on the western end of the campground. I hate rhododendrons. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, it's because well, it's all we see around here. I know. And just Wait, which ones are those? Rhododend- uh, they're basically I've everything. Been to the garden. But... They're the ones yeah. that are out in front of your house. Yeah. Oh. They're, just... they're out in front of everyone's fucking house just, in Oregon. Just they're... ugly, dumb bushes. Yeah, they're. With the big flowers. Yeah. Oh, those are pretty. They're yeah. ugly. They're sticky. They're full of spiders all the time. Mm. They don't smell. They serve no purpose other than pretty color. Yeah. Okay. So, anywho. Okay. So, after putting their gear away, Bill and Clyde chilled and watched the boys. They had found two playmates from another family who were camping nearby. Coincidentally, this other family also had the last name of Martin. Oh. But what the men didn't know was that the boys had a plan. Oh, boy. Right? They were going to go into the woods, flank the... Dad and Grandpa sitting at the cabin jump out and scare the shit out of them. You know, little dude shit. Yeah. Dudes being little dudes in the woods, right? Yeah. Well, a grassy area surrounded by woods. So as the adults were watching, they saw the boys, who were all playing in the field, take off running in two different directions. 
Doug and the two new dudes they just met ran into the wood line to the south, and Dennis ran alone into the northwest. And that would be the last time his father and grandfather would ever see him. Hmm. So, literally, minutes later, Doug and the two homies jump out, scare Bill and Clyde. Dennis did not. Hmm. Now, we're talking about a matter of minutes. This isn't a five-minute thing to go from around. We're talking minutes. So, the group thought that maybe Dennis had misunderstood the timing of the prank, so they waited... (laughs) And what they would later say was between three and five minutes. Don't die. Or do. You do you. And Dennis didn't come back out. Thank you. (laughs) So they decide they're going to go in. I'm like, okay, go look for him. So they go in. They're calling his name. They look around thinking that he was still hiding for whatever reason. No response. So Bill ran two miles along the trail, calling Dennis's name the whole way before returning to camp. Very worried at this point. So Clyde decided to get help. He hiked back to Cade's Cove and reached the park ranger station around 8.30 p.m. Park rangers immediately went to help, but their efforts were cut short because it started to rain. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if any of you are in the South or if any of y'all have ever been to the South, but this isn't just a regular rain. No. This is a good old Southern summer rain. Three inches in just a matter of a couple hours. Yeah. The creeks and rivers started to swell, and the temperature dropped down to 50 degrees that night, which isn't super cold, but it's cold to a wet and scared six-year-old. Yeah. So. Especially if it had been a nice day earlier, he's probably not wearing anything that's going to keep him warm. June in the south. It was hot. Yeah. You know. So, you know, shorts. Right. T-shirt, sandals, maybe. The initial search... The following day consisted of about 50 people, ranging from park rangers to maintenance personnel. Also joining the search were members of the Sevier County Rescue Squad, the Blount County Rescue Squad, and the Smoky Mountain Hiking Club. The searchers began combing drainages in the area. Rain continued to fall intermittently, unfortunately washing away potential tracks and signs. The wind kicked up and the temperature dropped back down into the 50s, increasing the chance of the boy becoming hypothermic. The searchers beat the bushes until well past dark with no sign of Dennis. And then, an extensive, 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 words are fucking hard. An extensive search was then launched. The National Guard, the Green Berets, and the Boy Scouts joined the search. Green Berets. Go ahead and question it. That's the weirdest choice. Go ahead and question it, because there will be many fucking questions. Okay, good, because I have them. Oh, you're going to have more. Yeah. In total, there were around 1,400 people searching 50 square miles, yet there was no sign of Dennis. Now, in theory, this all sounds great. An amazing effort. However, the search was later criticized due to the large number of people involved potentially obscuring tracks yeah, was... in ground that was already too tr- difficult to track. Yeah, I was going to say that... Due to the rain. On... First, I mean, that sounds... For the, like, mileage they're mm-hmm. covering, that sounds like a good amount of people, but it's well, also, it sounds like too many people. And this case actually changed the way search and rescue 
that works in sense. the national parks. That makes sense. Also because, I mean, they're just, they're not trained right. to look for certain things. They're just looking for a boy, but they're mm-hmm. not looking for, you know, what yes. search and rescue right? is trained to look for. I mean, Green Berets? National Guard? Weird. Boy Scouts of America? I don't know why, but that one seems to make the most sense. It makes the most sense. The other two do not. No. No. You ever heard of such a thing? Nope. I haven't. Sure don't. I haven't. No one else had either. So I'll keep going. Please. By the second day, Bill's wife and Dennis's mother, Violet Martin, arrived on the scene. She was devastated but hopeful. She said, I have a feeling we're going to find him. Maybe God sent this ordeal to us so we could appreciate things more. Others, however, were beginning to lose hope. Some searchers were told quietly to start closely examining any bear, coyote, and and or bobcat scat. Right. And others were sent to search areas where vultures had been seen circling. Still nothing. Now, the tracks of a child were found but dismissed as belonging to one of the Boy Scouts. However, the tracks were later reported to have come from a child who was missing a shoe. And that had disappeared on the banks of a stream. So they were near a stream, suggesting that they likely did belong to Dennis, which was supported when a shoe and sock were found three days later. On June 18th, the first of several calls from self-proclaimed psychics came in. (coughs) And, of course, the family were willing to hear anything that could potentially find their son. Bill said, I believe some people have the ability to see or predict things. Uh, A Mrs. Schwaller of Linden, Michigan, contacted authorities to say that Dennis would be found in a spot near a stream by a small waterfall with white pine trees in the area. Oh. Well, girl, unfortunately, like all the other visions reported by the various psychics who contacted the authorities, the description was so vague that it could have applied to hundreds of spots in the area or any national park, period. Okay, they're in a national park. There's going to be a lot of that. Right. Everywhere. Right. Um, still, Bill and Violet listened to each tip, and the searchers did their best to check them all out. On the fourth day, volunteers located a set of faint child-sized tracks about a mile from Spence Field. And, um, again, Boy Scout. Where are we? Oh, here we go. Tracker Dwight McCarter, who was part of the search party, was actually aggravated about the way the tracks were originally dismissed. He would tell USA Today 50 years later, they didn't find tracks from a bunch of kids. They found tracks from one kid. Yeah. June 20th was Dennis's seventh birthday, which came and went with no sign of the boy. And I can only imagine how hard that day was on Ooh. the family. On June 23rd, the Spartanburg, South Carolina Police Department provided a police dog to help in the search, and according to the official report, the search met with negative results. The description of the canine as a police dog and not a search dog could mean that it wasn't necessarily trained as a tracking dog, or it could have just been how it was worded. Mm-hmm. Other dogs were called in later, but they didn't pick up any scent either, and rumors began circulating that it wasn't that the dogs weren't finding Dennis's scent and failing, but they were refusing to track at all. Mm-hmm. People were saying that the dogs would not go into the woods, they just sat down and whined. That, isn't that, I I don't know much about, like, 
search and rescue dogs and police dog mm-hmm. training. And I know there is a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's a sign in some, I think, like maybe cadaver dogs. Right. When they sit down, that's they found something. Yeah. Well, this is when people began to think that there may be something strange about the boy's disappearance. Despite searchers continuing their efforts for over two weeks, no trace of Dennis Martin was ever found. Two weeks. The official search would end on June 29th, but an unofficial search would continue through September. The Martin family, refusing to believe their son was dead, put up a $5,000 reward for information leading to the return of their son. Now, as for theories, most researchers believe that Dennis became disoriented and lost when he ran into the woods or that he lost his footing and fell down a steep slope or into a ravine. Number one, we're talking under five minutes this child was missing or or in the woods. Mm -hmm. Under five minutes. And it's the only thing, I mean, he could have kept running. But why? It's the plan was to go into the woods, come around towards the cabin, flank them, and jump out and scare the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. It's not like he had to go through any great distance or in through danger to do it. This literally should have taken minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. But despite wearing a bright red shirt that should have been easy for searchers to spot... Martin's small size and the thick brush in the area means a body could have been overlooked. But with 1,400 people, I'm not sure how that's possible. Mm-mm. Others think it could have been an animal. Researchers point to the presence of black bears in the area, as well as copperheads and feral pigs. An underweight bear had been caught in a boar trap in the area two weeks prior to the boy's disappearance, suggesting that animals may have been struggling to find enough food. I think they would have found something. They, yeah. Especially once you bring in the dogs. I just, it's, Mm. right? So on the 26th, a man called in to the Knoxville News Sentinel and told reporter Carson Brewer to inform the searchers to look in the trees and treetops. Stop looking on the ground. Oh, I don't like that at all. Now, did this caller have some kind of inside knowledge? The cryptic phone call is another of the strange details surrounding the case that doesn't sit right with some people. Bill Martin, however, believed that his son was taken by another person. And this theory was based largely on the eyewitness account of Harold Key, who had been in the park that day. He reported hearing a loud scream on the afternoon Dennis disappeared. And after, he claimed to have seen a disheveled man covered in hair, right, attempting to remain unseen going through the woods. Was it a fucking Sasquatch? Sam Squanch. Right? Key's family said that the man had a red object slung over his shoulder, which matched the color that Dennis was wearing. So, possible. Despite the report, FBI investigators dismissed it, and the sighting had taken place more than five miles from where Dennis had vanished. Key was also unclear on the timeline. Okay, but also, if Sasquatch lore... Uh-huh. Is to be believed they can travel through portals, so it wouldn't be true. But why wouldn't could, I mean, if you could he, snatch him and then appear, yeah, five miles elsewhere, right? Because I, 
apparently that's a thing that Sasquatches can do. Also, hill people. Well, here we go. It was also later speculated that the man may have been a moonshiner, which would explain his not wanting to be seen, but a retired park ranger did not agree with the FBI's decision to not follow up on the footprints or the sighting of the man. He said that the location of the sighting was actually just downhill from where Dennis disappeared, and it was more than reasonable for a relatively fit individual to cover that distance in the time frame, even carrying a child. The authorities never bought into the kidnapping theory, but they wouldn't dismiss it either. Okay. So now, for some of the weird shit. The scope of the search for Dennis Martin didn't sit right with some people. Especially after the rumors of the strange things pertaining to the case. Never before had such a large force of government resources been used in a missing person case. Between the National Park Service employees, various county rescue squads, and military personnel, nearly 30,000 man-hours were invested, not investigated, 30,000 man-hours were invested in the search, and this is not including the private citizens who volunteered their time. That's just the federal 30,000 hours. And when was this again? 1969. (sighs) Nice. Yeah, maybe it was the climate of the times being 1969. Nice. <laughs> He's going to say it every time you say 69. Mm-hmm. Nice. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it was the military involvement specifically that raised suspicion, and they believe that something more happened out there that day. The official reason for the Green Berets' involvement is that they happened to be in the area doing a training exercise and decided to help when they heard about his disappearance. Mm, Convenient. Mm -hmm. Many witnesses claimed that the special ops guys, as they called them, were standoffish, unfriendly, and did their own thing. They made no effort to communicate at all with the local authorities or the civilian searchers. In addition... That doesn't sound helpful. Nope. Multiple reports state that these military units were armed with rifles while conducting their searches. Sounds familiar. All right, then keep Uh your secrets. Right? (laughs) Right? One thing that cannot be denied is that the government and the military were heavily involved in the search for Dennis Martin, much more so than any other missing persons case. But why? So, a fixed-wing plane, multiple helicopters, a dozen jeeps, multiple National Guard units, and special forces (coughs) were all called in. Several military command posts were established that seemed to be working independently of the National Park Service and the FBI. In the official case report on the incident, it states that President Nixon was monitoring the situation and wanted to be kept up to speed. Why? That's in the official report. Right? Who the fuck was this kid? Right? Why? Who the fuck was this kid? How old was he? Six. Six. Who the fuck was this kid? So the sheer scope of the government and military involvement regarding this event was unprecedented. And here are some stats, all from the official report. The army flew nine the army flew nine hundred and thirty eight sorties into Spence Field. I had to look it up. A sortie is a deployment of one military unit, be it aircraft or troop, and the term originated in siege warfare. Okay. Okay. Sure. 938. That's a lot. The Air Force flew 78 sorties into Spence Field. 
The military moved between 1,800 and 2,000 personnel in and out of the area via Jeep over the course of the search. Involved branches of military resources included the Tennessee Air National Guard, Tennessee Army National Guard, United States Special Forces, the U.S. Marine Reserve in Knoxville, Tennessee, U.S. Army troops from Fort Benning, Georgia, Air Force personnel from McGee-Tyson Air Force Base, Air Force personnel from Robbins Air Force Base out of Florida, personnel from the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary, Tennessee, agents from the FBI, two Huey helicopters, two HH-53, which are the Jolly Green Giant helicopters, Mm -hmm. one U-10 fixed-wing airplane, two CH-53 helicopters, two Air Force communications trucks, and two Chinook helicopters. Now, does this seem weird as fuck to any of y'all? A lot. It's a lot. Were they having a war in the fucking woods? Right? What is happening? I mean, we need to wage war in the woods. That's I don't disagree with you on that. Like, I here's the thing. If trees weren't, like, necessary, right? I'd get rid of them. <laughs> I mean, if I was fuck his parents, trees. I'd be stoked that the entire fucking federal government and military... Yeah. Was out looking for my son, but this is weird as fuck. And how is it with all that manpower, this boy wasn't found? Right. George W. Fry, who at the time was the superintendent of Great Smoky Mountains National Park, thought it was all weird as hell. It is. In a letter to Tennessee Representative James H. Quillen sent on June 26, 1969, which was three days... Before the official search was concluded, he wrote, In my entire experience with the National Park Service, I have never heard of or participated in a search the extent of which this thing has built up to. Hmm. Right. Gets even weirder. In 2014, there's a site called Tales of the Weird. And it was, you know, one of those things, Mm -hmm. threads people can talk. Dennis Martin's disappearance was being discussed. And someone with the username Harold Cleveland commented. He said, To all concerned, I've read some incredibly uninformed and ignorant comments here, and I feel it's my responsibility to help out when appropriate. My name is Max, and I am a retired Army SOCOM commander. Spent 26 years in service with most of them attached to 10th Mountain Division in Colorado. Our special forces are never called to assist in civilian operations. That falls to the local National Guard and approved by the state governor. The fact that they were armed as well is another huge no-no. During my command and every other mission I was aware of, we were not allowed by federal protocol to do either. Something is very wrong with this missing kid scenario. I've done some research on this case, both while on active duty and after my retirement. Why did you do it on active duty? Maybe he just retired. I don't know. The inside facts of this case depict a frightening investigation. Bottom line is that searching started within a few minutes of the boy's disappearance and lasted three months with every resource imaginable being deployed. Don't even start with the terrain was difficult. Holes and caves and cliffs and creeks, etc. Our special troops can find almost anything, anytime, in any terrain. We are the highest technology available worldwide and easily the best training and real-world wartime and mission-specific experience that the normal civilian populace can scarcely imagine. 
After studying this case, the fact that no trace of the boy was ever found is mind-boggling. The Green Berets that were tasked in this search were there for a specific reason. They were armed for a specific reason. I can't and won't say why because my oath documents won't allow it. But I will remind you of these facts. Nationwide, there have only been four occasions where the special forces were brought in on a civilian missing, missing persons case. Two of these involved a possible armed perpetrator. The other two were this case and another similar to it about three years later in and regionally nearby. This is out of thousands of missing cases Where am I? since the early 60s when our special troops were born. There is no such thing as, well, they were training nearby and, no, we as commanders were never allowed to divert orders unless the division general officer within SOCOM approved it. For that to happen, it must be for reasons that have a direct effect on our national security. No missing persons case has ever been on that level, even based on its own merit. My research proved that to my own eyes. In conclusion, this case goes way beyond a simple missing boy. Let me put it to you this way. In 1969, in the southern jungles of Cambodia, we lost a man on team maneuvers one night. This was in some of the worst weather and impossible terrain known in this world. His tracks were instantly washed away, and nighttime operations were notoriously difficult as a rule. After a week's time, it was our dogs that finally tracked him down. They live for these missions, and they love it. In the Martin case, the dogs just laid down whining and refused to search. Several sets of dogs of several different breeds. The FBI second-in-command told me this in person. The fact alone promotes the high strangeness factor. These cases are far from normal and must be reinvestigated to ensure that the horror that this family went through never happens to anyone again. When it's your child that slips off for just a minute and the panic sets in, and assets are immediately deployed in great mass, you would expect to find a child pretty quick. When they just flat out disappear like smoke, as in this case, it baffles even the most experienced of us and breaks our hearts as well. I hope this hideous event never happens to any of you, for I have seen it many times firsthand, and you just cannot imagine anything worse. God bless, and thanks for reading. Now, being on the internet, it all must be true, right? Exactly. Okay. A lot of that checks out. Grain of salt, but right. All, a lot of that information does check out. Right. I don't. I don't buy the dog thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells me that the kid may have been ad- abducted from right. like a foreign diplomat mm-hmm. or something that mm-hmm. they were trying to spy on. Like something, and the importance of having that child was paramount to a mission they were trying to carry right. out. Hmm. But uh, anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. So I mean. Grain of salt. It's a thread. Anyone can say anything. But it was an interesting thread nonetheless. And Mm -hmm. there are those that think Harold Cleveland, a.k.a. AKA Max, is legit, but we'll never know. Mm. Bill Martin died that same year, actually, that that thread took place in 2014, never knowing what had become of his son. And the rest of the Martin family has been silent and not discussed the case publicly since the search was ended in 1969. They say nothing. That's period weird. Yep. There was a glimmer of hope in 1985 when a ginseng hunter reached out to tracker and retired Smokies Ranger Dwight McCarter and told him that he had come across a child-sized skeleton below Spence Field near an uprooted tree. 
The area was searched, but nothing was found. And Clay Jordan, Deputy Park Superintendent, said, I think it is virtually impossible that we will ever know what happened to Dennis Martin. It's become one of the enduring mysteries of the Smokies. That's so weird. That is weird. That's a weird story. Uh-huh. And Mr. Keyes, the guy that said he saw the big hairy man, years later said that he actually saw Dennis Martin being carried off not necessarily by a hairy man, but a man, and thrown into a white van, and that was that. Hmm. So, who the fuck knows? But I think it's a, a little weird. I mean, it sounds like a full-fledged fucking military operation. It's a lot weird. That's, for a boy that disappeared in a matter of minutes. That's what makes me think that the kid was abducted by the military for something yeah you know yeah uh yeah there is no way that with all that manpower first of all he's six how far could he get in minutes mm-hmm. not that far not that far when your dad is literally his dad ran two miles screaming his name on the trail there there have been other cases that i've heard of where kids go missing and they turn up 48 hours later like Miles away without shoes in an area that would have taken any normal person like five days to hike to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Weird shit. Yeah. Weird Weird how quickly he disappeared, number one, but then for just the full, the FBI was out there? Yeah. It's, and the, I mean, how soon does FBI come out uh, when you've got a missing kid? Does the FBI come out? Well, if we remember the Sodder case from last week, no, right? They do not. Exactly. Um, This was a full-fledged military operation. I would, I would uh, definitely challenge Mr. Cleveland on the technology part of it. It's the fucking sixties. Like, yeah, they had, they certainly had more advanced technology than what civilians had access to, but like, they weren't doing deep terrain scans and shit back then. Right. So. Um, and why did Nixon want to be kept that's up to speed? That's right? fucking weird. That's uh, in the official report. Yeah, that's that's weird. not even hearsay. My my brain the whole time was because, you know, 1969, not mm-hmm. terribly far after uh, Roswell, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was like, hmm, aliens. So I typed in. Alien sightings, Smoky Mountains, 1969, and the first thing that came up was this Dennis case. Martin. Yeah, that's another theory, is that he got abducted by... But nobody saw a craft. Nobody saw a bright light in the sky. So but who see does, one. Exactly. Doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Yeah. Because them aliens. Them fucking aliens. Stealthy, they crafty. Yeah. Could have been a Squatch. Right. I don't know. That's weird. Right? Especially the the one shoe, one barefoot yep. prince that just disappeared at a stream. Yep. Which easily a child could have tried to cross a stream that they thought wasn't very deep, got carried off because of the heavy but, rains. But again, you'd think that they would have found uh-huh. some kind of remains uh-huh. since they were searching uh-huh. so thoroughly. Uh-huh. Where did that stream or river what have you open out to one goes down into uh north carolina the other goes down into uh, uh, no 
Crocs River goes one. It it went down into North Carolina. Are there possibly uh, Crocs or Gators on the other side? Nah, I don't. I I mean, I don't think so. Who am I to say? I don't fucking know. But there's not a lot of Gator action in North Carolina that I'm aware of. So, my sources are Wiki, Mysterious Universe, our good friend Brent Swanser, who doesn't know that he's our friend. Oh, yeah, I love that guy. Darktalesblog.com, Noxnews.com, and TexasCryptidHunterBlog.com. That's so weird. Right? I have just the sheer amount of military crafts flown in there. It's not. It's and especially for 30, them to be thousand yeah for military them to be called out immediately right without any reason yeah so many flags and Bill Martin looks red. like Ryan Reynolds oh told you yeah he's and he was an architect so I don't know maybe he was working on something fucked up I don't who the fuck knows potentially right. That's just mm-hmm. so weird. Did you find information on gators in North Carolina over there? Mm-hmm. She's talking to you, man. Sorry. Yeah. Were you looking I'm so up? sorry. That's fine. Were you, <laughs> were you looking up gators in North Carolina? Yeah. Uh, well, I want to see where oh, yeah. the river may have led out to ah. and then plug that into wherever. So I'm on the case. <laughs> Randall's going to solve it today. <laughs> Wait, because so it was one one shoe, one footprint, both the same size. Bill Martin. Oh, mm-hmm. hello. Oh my! I told you he was hot. Yeah. Oh. Um. Did we? Did we? Did you? When, when we did the the one shoe, one footprint. Yeah. Same size. Uh, didn't specify. Didn't specify. Okay. Because yeah. now I'm thinking like, okay, kid lost a shoe. Mm-hmm. You know. So, let's see here. I'm blind. Put that closer to my eye holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bill Martin. Mm-hmm. Good looking guy. Anyway, so yeah, fucking, I don't know. I just... That is... Yeah. yeah Bizarre, I know. That Weird. Is just yeah. the sheer amount of man- military. All the jeeps and the crafts and... Fucking, I don't know. There's, Weapons. Yeah, up to something. But we'll yeah, never know. That's that's not an FBI again. Not normal. Not normal. Not normal at all. Even coming from J. Edgar Hoover himself. Not normal. Sending a letter to exactly. the Exactly, yep. Being like that. We don't involve ourselves. Sorry, we can't help you, but if your local uh-huh. agencies want our help, we'll absolutely come. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. There's some information that... This doesn't. This may have justified where he went. Nothing else. <laughs> um, there are a fuck ton of predators in the Smoky Mountains. Oh, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, and a six-year-old child could very easily get swallowed by a snake. That's yeah. one big-ass snakes in the Smoky Mountains, plus bears, coyotes, foxes. Yeah, anything. Well, that's people. that's why they told the searchers to start checking the scat. Right, right, right. And I mean, I don't know. That's that part of it's a tough one. Yeah, but even with snakes, though, they would regurgitate bones, mm-hmm. and it'd have to be a fucking giant anaconda. I mean, copperheads are one thing, but it's a six-year-old though. They're not that big. They're compared to the animals that snakes big. eat. Yeah. yeah, and it depends on if any 
non-native snakes had been released. Because I know that's a problem in Florida. Florida. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, people buy snakes as pets and then just let them go. Yeah. Fucking anacondas in the swamp. I saw the movie. <laughs> I watched that again for the first time. I love that movie. Uh, I hadn't seen it since it was in the theater, and I'm like, oh man, this movie is fucking terrible, and yep. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just, just, just so good. John Voight winking as he falls to so, falls to his death. It was beautiful. So fucking I'm funny. Like, uh, watching John Voight get mauled by a giant CGI snake is apparently my new kink. Like, it's just <laughs> great. I'm here for it, and because I'll watch it every day. I jumped on Tinder immediately. Like, please right? give me this forever. <laughs> uh, God, it's weird. I know, it's weird. It's so weird. So if any of y'all have any information or have thoughts or theories, let us know. Yeah. Let us know. All right, so here we go. Bummer well, time. Well, I'm preparing myself. So... Number one, we've done it again. Oh boy! Which should not come as a surprise to, to anyone. anyone at all. But uh, do you remember last week when I said I changed stories because yes. the one I planned on would have been too dark with Samuel Little? Well, now it is my turn to bum y'all out because I'm going to tell that story that I was going to do last week. Okay. And that is the murder and abduction of Adam Walsh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. You oh, dropped, you dropped the name, and I was like, oh, that's Joe Walsh's son. Yeah. And then was like, wait, is his name Joe Walsh? And then you said it, and I was like, Walsh. oh, yeah. But yeah. Yep, it's that guy. Yeah, it's a rough one. So. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I remember as a kid. When this happened? When this happened. How long after this did he start the show? I will get there. Okay. Don't you worry. I included that just for you. God bless it. (laughs) Not really. Um, So Adam John Walsh was born in Hollywood, Florida on November 14th, 1974, to parents John and Reve. He was a sweet and happy little boy by all accounts. Uh, He loved Star Wars, baseball, and video games. On July 27th, 1981, Reve and Adam went to Sears uh, at the Hollywood Mall uh, because she'd seen a lamp on sale in one of the catalogs and wanted to go see if it was in stock. Fucking lamps. Lamps. Uh, The Sears had an Atari 2600 display set up near the lighting department in the toy section. Um, So Reve told Adam, I'm going right over here to the lamp department. And he said, okay, mommy, I know where that is. And that was the day, back in the days, when I used to do it all the time. and go to yeah. mom, I'm going to go to the toy section, I'm going to go, or whatever. Yeah, 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 no problem. Absolutely. And that's, I know, so she left him uh, with a group of older boys who were taking turns playing the video game, which I totally remember doing as a kid. 100%. Um, like, my grandma would want to go look at something boring, which now is probably something I'd be super excited about, like right. sheets. Or, Same. Right? Same. Lamp. Rugs. Lamp. <laughs> Uh, and so I, um, I'd ask if I could go to the kids section, which yep. like toys, whatever, yep. um, or maybe watching other kids play the video game demos, whatever. Sometimes she'd even let me go to the toy store or the bookstore on my own, uh, so long as they were close to whatever store she was in. But usually that was only allowed as a kind of a minute or two head start when she was checking out. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, I want to go to the toy store. And she'd be at the register. She'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll just be right there. Yeah. So uh, this story, however, 
was the catalyst for big changes to things like that. And here's why. Yeah, there was a whole lot of, I want to go to the toy section. Nope. Absolutely not. This, I, this, I feel, was the birth of helicopter parenting. It <laughs> could be. Um, good reason, though. Either him or John Bonet. No. You don't think so? Oh, no. Definitely this. Okay. This is definitely this, pre. And you'll... You'll... Oh, is this pre-John Bonet? Yeah. Oh, okay. This was oh, yeah. in 81. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, Reve had finished her business in the lamp section around 12.15 p.m. Uh, the one she wanted was apparently not in stock at that location. So, she went back to the Atari demo to get Adam, but he was gone. All of the boys were. Uh, when she asked the store manager where the kids had gone... Uh, they explained that a scuffle had ensued over whose turn it was with the joystick, and a security guard told them that they had to leave the store. Um, the security guard, a teenage girl, I think she was 17, mm-hmm. um, she had allegedly asked the kids if their parents were in the store, which they weren't, except for Adam's. And it's assumed that six-year-old Adam had been too shy to speak up and say, my mom is in the store. Right. Uh, because I guess that was kind of policy at the time was if the kids parents were in the store then you would like page them or whatever and Mm -hmm. return their unruly child uh but apparently they weren't there so um they um all the boys had been sent out of the west entrance of the store which adam was unfamiliar with uh, as he is and his mom usually entered from the north entrance so an entirely different side of the mall um, it's the thing about malls. You always have that one spot you always yep. go in. You always mm-hmm. Everyone has one, one. You go in the same place yep. every yep. time. And so that, so he didn't, he was not familiar with that right. part of the parking lot. Um, the other boys eventually left and left six-year-old Adam alone outside. Uh, Reve searched the store high and low for her son, and the manager paged him by name over the loudspeaker, but he never responded. Uh, Reve's mother-in-law just happened to be in the store at the same time, and they ran into each other, and um, she started to help her daughter-in-law search for Adam. Uh, the store and the rest of the mall were searched for over 90 minutes before police were called to the scene at 1.55 p.m. Adam had only been out of his mother's sight for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you recall, children going missing in the 70s and 80s were initially treated as runaways, and police protocol was often to wait 72 hours before beginning an investigation. This isn't necessarily the case here, since Adam was only six, but it's not far off. Um, if botched cases infuriate you like they do me, you're about to be mad. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So, massive ground and helicopter searches ensued, but after four days, the dozen or so Hollywood police officers assigned to the search, quote-unquote, hit a wall. How do, you, how do you hit a wall searching for a child? There was no evidence. They couldn't find anything. So oh. they hit a wall in that regard. Oh, I see. Um, Officer Mark Smith would state in an interview that, I'm pretty sure that when the report came through, we didn't actually send an officer. We just sent a community service officer to take the report. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Um, the Walshes decided to leave one of their cars in the Sears parking lot with a note for Adam reading, Adam, stay in the car. Mommy and Daddy are looking for you. Stay in the car. Love, Mommy. Aww. I know. Uh, a few days into the police investigation, Miami Beach psychic Mickey Dane arrives to help the Walshes look for Adam and tells them that she has hope that he's alive somewhere. 
the couple put countless hours into searching uh, for Adam themselves Jesus with Reve biking through the neighborhood, searching and shouting down the ventilator shafts on the roof of the mall oh, for wow. her son. Smart. Yeah. Actually, very, very smart. Yeah. Very. Um, Local 10 News reporter Connie Hicks said um, that story was on every single day. Yep. In addition, the Walshes were very good about getting the poster and the picture out. There wasn't a place you could go in South Florida without seeing that all-American kid with the gap-tooth smile and the baseball bat and the baseball cap on smiling. He was the all-American little kid. Uh, it was on every toll plaza you went through. It was in grocery stores. It was posted on signs and streetlights. You couldn't forget it. Uh, five days after Adam went missing, John stood on the roof of a car in the Sears parking lot, begging people not to give up looking for his son. Oh, bless him. Uh, he pleaded with volunteers, stating, We've searched and searched for Adam, and we haven't found a body. Everybody thinks he's alive. We do, too. We feel that since you people have searched so hard, the best thing we can do now is get these flyers in everybody's hands. The police are so frustrated. No one's come forth, and the clues that we have, well, we haven't come up with anything substantial. Also noteworthy is that the Hollywood Police Department was completely overwhelmed and ill-prepared for a case of this magnitude. Um, Connie Hicks said of the investigation that the Hollywood Police Department at the time, well, most police departments were not as sophisticated as they are now. In my recollection, they hadn't tackled a story like this. Because John Walsh had a casino in the Bahamas, there was a suspicion of organized crime being involved, and Reve was suspected of having an affair. As a matter of fact, some story floated out that she had left Adam in the store to go have a liaison. Rude. Um, so clouding the issue in all of these... Uh, so clouding the issue in all of this are these stories that it was organized crime or that she was a negligent mother because she was having an affair. But how convenient and easier that must have been for the Hollywood police to get their heads around rather than a boy that is grabbed in broad daylight, driven away, and not to be seen or heard from. Wow. Yeah. So they were a really tiny department. And I'll bring it up later, but it was also around the same time when they weren't sharing information from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. They just kept it to themselves, which is not helpful. Uh -huh. I'm glad they don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, uh, 150,000 flyers with Adam's picture and a $5,000 reward had been printed, posted, and passed out virtually everywhere in town. Uh, despite frantic searches, Reve goes uh, on TV to let people know that they're going to expand the search for Adam because they believe he's been abducted. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, the most important thing is to get the flyers out of the area. They have to use their own sense to think of their own ideas. I don't want them to wait for someone to tell them what to do. So she's like, everywhere. I don't care. Put them everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, Reve went on to say about the search and volunteers. Oh, sorry. That was my ending of the lessons. Um, that's what she said about the search and volunteers. John and Reve made as many televised public appearances as possible, which was unheard of at the time. Um, one of the things that John Walsh did very well, which at the time was unprecedented, now it's not so much, but he really publicized it. He kept the story in the news every single day. That seems like a no-brainer now, but back then nobody really had that sort of skill set or the idea of how do we keep the story going. The Walshes were very good, although it must have been painful about doing news conferences, talking to the media whenever they could. It was in the news every day because it was an appalling story, and it still is, Connie Hicks recalled. Uh, in one appearance, John stated that he would absolutely negotiate with Adam's abductors. 
And Reve added, we would donate any money they needed to help themselves or to help their problem. Adam needs to be home, and Adam would never have a grudge against anyone who was kind to him. <laughs> I know. Um, on August 11th, John and Reve headed to New York to make an appearance on Good Morning America, where they would offer a $100,000 reward, which is $316,109 today. Damn. Uh, for the safe return of their son. However, hopes weren't high during the appearance. Um, John revealed to David Hartman, the host, on air that he had received a phone call while they were getting ready for the show. According to John, they have found the remains of a young person in Florida that at this time they are trying to identify whether it is Adam or not. At this point, they feel that it is a good possibility that it is not Adam. Therefore, they felt we should come on and carry the word of Adam to the public because there is a good likelihood that he is still with his abductors. Jeez. Uh, and if you watch that clip, uh, Reve Walsh is not okay. Nor Yeah, I wouldn't um, be either. Yeah. So the day before, on August 10th, a couple of fishermen had launched their boat into the water when they thought they saw a doll floating under a nearby bridge, only to realize it wasn't. The men discovered a child's severed head in a canal off the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, which was over 100 miles from Hollywood, Florida. Uh, the remains were taken to nearby Indian River County and Vero Beach, uh, where they were examined by Associate Medical Examiner Dr. Franklin H. Cox. Uh, in his report, Dr. Cox wrote... At approximately 11 a.m. on August 11, 1981, Lt. R. Hins of the Hollywood Detective Division brings me the results of the dental records of Adam Walsh. The dentist is Marshall Berger, DDS, of Hollywood, Florida. The identification and dental records confirm that the decapitated head is Adam Walsh, a six-year-old missing child from Hollywood, Florida. Since they were in New York, uh, John and Reve sent family friend John Monahan to identify the, the remains, which oh, he confirmed God. as Adam. Uh, the coroner ruled Adam's cause of death to be asphyxiation, and it was also ruled that he had died, quote-unquote, several days before his remains were discovered, most likely the same day he was kidnapped or soon thereafter. Uh, as soon as the Walshes got back to Florida, like literally as soon as they landed, uh, they're whisked away to a makeshift conference room at the Fort Lauderdale airport to give a statement. Uh, before bursting into tears... Oh, it's so sad. I know. <laughs> um, where did I lost my mind and my place? Ah, John stated to the press, I don't know who would do this to a six-year-old child. It's just beyond the realm of reality. And Reve followed her husband's tearful sentiment with one of her own. Adam was too good for this world, and he didn't deserve to live in this world. He's too good, and you know that only the good die young. Thank you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. Um, uh, to say the Walshes were disappointed in the Hollywood Police Department's handling of their son's case from missing person to murder is a severe understatement. To this day, John Walsh says that they didn't th take the case seriously enough and that it was one nightmare after another. Mm. Uh, he also said that they were a tiny local police agency that had limited resources and never manned a search anywhere near this size. We did have a gut intuition that mistakes were being made Everything seemed so chaotic and disorganized. <coughs> uh, however, instead of withering away and sinking under their grief, 
John and Reve decided to take action. Uh, four days after Adam's funeral, which was a symbolic service with an empty casket, but I will get to that in a minute, uh, John and Reve created the Adam Walsh Outreach Center for Missing Children. So, the AWOCMC was created as a national resource for families of missing children since nothing like that existed at the time uh, of Adam's abduction and murder. Before his death, law enforcement basically kept to themselves, like I said earlier, and didn't share information with neighboring jurisdictions. Uh, The following year, Congress established the Missing Children's Act of 1982, which authorized the entry of information pertaining to missing children into the FBI's National Crime Information Center database, which had not been a thing until then. About fucking time. Mm -hmm. Shit. Right? Uh, On October 10th, 1983, NBC's made-for-TV movie Adam aired for the first time. Oh, I remember. Mm -hmm. It starred Jo Beth Williams, uh, Diane Freeling from Poltergeist, amongst other stellar performances, and Daniel J. Travanti of Hill Street Blues fame uh, as Reve and John Walsh. On its first broadcast, it received 38 million views. Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie was played again in 1983, 1984, and 1985, and after each airing, uh, photos of missing children were shown uh, with a phone number leading to a tip hotline. So this is where it came from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was, two years before Adam was abducted, there was another little boy, um, Etan Peltz, Mm -hmm. I believe his name was, and he is the reason for like the faces on the milk carton i think Uh, okay that case is the same one i'm thinking of okay uh but this happened so soon afterwards and there was still no like no major changes had really been made in abducted children um so um the 1985 broadcast featured a soundbite of president ronald reagan saying maybe your eyes can help bring them home the hotline worked And by 1985, just two days after the movie aired again, uh, nearly 40 children had been found. Wow. Mm -hmm. God damn. From 83 to 85. 40 kids. That's killer. Yeah. Wow. One of whom was Byron Anthony McCain II, a.k.a. Busy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. He'd been abducted by his stepfather, and a neighbor recognized his picture during the original airing in 1983, which allowed him to be reunited with his mother. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Crazy town. Wow. But yeah. John Walsh out there making a fucking difference. Oh, yeah. And I know it it doesn't stop. It doesn't age. Because I watched it. Yes. So, in 1984, uh, Congress passed the Missing Children's Assistance Act. Thanks in large part to the Walsh's activism, amongst other parents of missing children. This act led to the formation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 1984, which eventually merged with the Adam Walsh Outreach Center for Missing Children in 1990. Uh, in 1994, Walmart created the Code Adam program, mm. yep. uh, which has been implemented across the United States and Canada in countless different public spaces. And I believe I read somewhere that it is required by law to happen in any federal building as well um so if you don't know what a code atom is there are six steps to enacting it so one if a visitor reports a child is missing a detailed description of the child and what they're wearing is obtained 
uh, specifically what color and type of shoes the child is wearing. Mm. Due to how in department stores and other stores selling clothing in particular, it's easier to exchange um, a child's clothes, but far harder to find different shoes. Additionally, all exterior access to the building is locked and monitored. And anyone approaching Mm. a door is turned away. The child's name is not requested and is to be ignored if provided. Okay. Huh. That, I feel like it's one of those things where if the kidnapper abductor doesn't know the child's name if they hear it over the loudspeaker then they can know and be like this is my son right 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 right. so they don't give it uh it i don't i i mean i wouldn't necessarily think of that that's brilliant same with the shoes yeah Yeah. i wouldn't have think i thought of that either. right you know where i went with it was when i was a kid my mom went clothes shopping i would go fuck around inside the fucking clothes care in the racks me too so, like, little kid sitting, yep. you see the shoes in the yep. fucking rack. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly where I went. That's yep. also part of the reason why my mom put bells on my shoes when I was really little. Yes. I think it was like one to three years old. I could slip a leash. Yes. And so uh, she put, because I liked to, you know, go look at stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she put bells on my shoes. Be like, well, well, there she I know where she is. Huh? I can hear the bells. She's fine. Uh, two. The employee goes to the nearest in-house telephone and pages code Adam, describing the child's physical features and clothing. Uh, As designated employees monitor front entrances, other employees begin looking for the child. Uh, Three, if the child is not found within 10 minutes, law enforcement is called. Four, if the child is found and appears to have been lost and unharmed, the child is reunited with the searching family member. Five, if the child is found accompanied by someone other than a parent or legal guardian, reasonable efforts to delay their departure will be used without putting the child, staff, or visitors at risk. Law enforcement will be notified and given details about the person accompanying the child. And six, the code Adam page will be canceled after the child is found or law enforcement arrives. Mm. Uh, in 2006, Congress passed the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act, which was signed into law by President George W. Bush. Uh, The bill institutes a national database of convicted child molesters and increases penalties for sexual and violent offenses against children. It also provides uh, extended criminal penalties for child predators and those who conspire with them under the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, or the RICO Act. Mm -hmm. Which, yay! Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. I just, side note, I just happened to read a story recently about, and I can't even remember where it was, but there was a woman working in a restaurant. It's one of the states that you can still go in restaurants. Um, And she saw this little boy, he's 11, sitting with who she thought parents, and she just knew something Mm -hmm. was wrong. He had looked very malnourished. Yeah. He looked, and so she held up a sign you know, because she's wearing a mask, so you can't mouth yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. She held up a sign so that they couldn't see, but only he could that says, are you okay? And he shook his head. Mm-hmm. I think I read about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, yeah. yeah, she called her boss and was like, oh, what do I do? And they're like, call the cops. Yeah. yeah. And that kid had been mistreated as an, it, tortured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hung upside down, beaten like this. She saved this child's life. Yeah. And this was just what, last week? I think so. It yeah. It was crazy. Ago. Like. I would, but I would do the same thing. You know, if I ever saw, I have a real hard time with uh, kid stories. Yeah. Like this. You're welcome. Yeah. I, when it comes to children, I have a hard time because I would, you I should, I do. I mean, I'm sure um, everybody does, but yeah. 
you know, I would not hesitate to snatch a kid from somebody and fight him right there in the streets <coughs> over it. No. Till the co- I mean, it's just, that's just. Yeah. Um, same. Right. Um, the, I can't remember the exact, I didn't write it down, but I believe it was 2008, uh, Barack Obama extended funding to these programs. Awesome. Um, it was under another bill, not this one, but oh. I think it was like president that does good shit that's weird novel um so going back in time a little uh john and revey welcomed their daughter megan in 1982 and she was joined by brothers callahan in 1985 and hayden in 1994 uh following megan's birth revey said that there is no substitute for adam megan will make me miss adam more he always wanted a sister Ugh, rough uh, on February 7th, 1988, after much convincing, John Walsh hosted the pilot episode of America's Most Wanted. Um, he ended up hosting the show from 1988 until its cancellation in 2012. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a long ass mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah. I watched it with uh, with my dad as a kid. Yeah. I did too. Oh, I remember, God. I remember watching it. I loved it watching And America's being absolutely wanted. terrified whenever they would show composite sketches. Right. Because I thought that's what like the people looked like exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was like, ah, I hate it. <laughs> I don't want that sketch, man. Oh, God. Um, Fucking doodle bobs coming at me. Like, uh-uh. It's like the spaghetti monster in True Detective. The green ears. <laughs> I haven't remember seen that? It. You haven't seen it? I haven't oh, okay. Seen it. No, you're the only no, one. You have to watch it. I know. Um,. So, following the cancellation of America's Most Wanted, Walsh went on to appear in CNN's The Hunt with John Walsh, and most recently, In Pursuit with John Walsh on Investigation Discovery, which he films with his son, Callahan. Oh. Yeah. Um, in November 2014, during a panel hosted by Stars. Oh, boy. Is this, this, gonna... this was the part I told you about last night that made me cry. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, it was a panel... Um, Walsh revealed a detail about Adam's case for the first time. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I don't know this. Uh, oh, I didn't until last night, and I cried about it. Uh, people don't know this, but police kept Adam's severed head in the morgue for 27 years, saying you can't bury your child because it's an open capital murder. We could never get Adam's remains while the case was botched. Wow. What the fuck? That's why it was an empty casket. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when you said that, I almost said it, but I was like, well, they've got the head. I mean, that sucks, but why didn't they just bury his head? Now I know why. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So you can't fucking solve it, but you can't give me my child's head. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that last night, and like it was immediate tears. I was oh. like, that is fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Let's get to the suspects. Yes, let's. <clears throat> On October 21st, 1983, an inmate confessed to killing Adam Walsh after allegedly watching the made-for-TV movie Adam 11 days earlier. Of course. That inmate was Otis Elwood Toole. I know that name. Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. Okay. Yep. Uh, we haven't covered him yet, so I won't get into too much detail about him, but he was a Fucking bastard. Um, Tool confessed to luring six-year-old Adam into his 1971 Cadillac with the promise of toys and candy. He then headed up I-95 towards its hometown of Jacksonville, which, hi, Mom. 
That's where my mom lives. It's gross there. Um, According to Tool, he punched Adam in the face when he started to cry and say that he wanted to go home. That obviously made Adam cry harder, to which Tool responded by walloping the boy unconscious. He then pulled the car over in a rural area, strangled Adam with a seatbelt, and decapitated him with the machete he kept in his car. Some accounts say, and some of these accounts are from Otis Tool, which, as I will get to, are not to be taken seriously. Uh, A serial killer lied? I'll get there. Uh, But he said he raped Adam before killing him, but it's never been confirmed. Obviously. Um... He claimed to have uh, burnt the body in an old fridge when he got back to Jacksonville. Tool then claims that he drove around with Adam's head in his car for days, forgetting it was there. And when he remembered, he threw it into a nearby canal. Uh, the police had already impounded, impounded Tool's car uh, for upon the arrest that mm-hmm. he was in jail for in 83, which was for murder, by the way. Uh, the car had been soaked and contained, or it was soaked in blood and contained the alleged murder weapon, but somehow they managed to lose both of those things. The car? Yeah. How do you lose a car? I don't know. A whole ass car. Gone. How do you lose a fucking car? Normally, when you say that, you know, suspects, people start confessing, because in all cases, there's always the false confessor. I wouldn't put this past him. Hold that thought. Well, I, I, I have... Que- Can I ask questions now? Sure. You said he confessed a few days after the movie came out. Yeah, in right. 1983. Okay. And they had... He had seen the movie? Yeah. So and, he would have known everything. And they found the head. Yes. Before That was in the movie. Yes. Okay. Two years before the movie came out, which and, yeah, everything. Happened. Yeah, so we have we have a uh, somebody An who's entire scenario. Someone who is a murderer. Uh huh. Right. And let me uh, let me elaborate on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, first to the car. Um, this is this makes me so mad. Right. How do you lose a car? It should because I don't know. It's a whole. It's and it's a seventy-one Cadillac. So it's essentially it's a fucking a boat. boat. It's a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a land boat. Yeah. Which is a car. It's a boat. But yeah. How? I don't know. Like that both of us are on the same page. We're very that upset. tickled the shit out of her. Right. How the fuck do you lose a boat? I don't understand. I'm Look, so angry. I it doesn't get better. I'm just gonna warn you now. And I gotta pee. So this I'm is just bad. Mind blown on how you yeah. an entire car that's impounded. Mm-hmm. How do you lose an impounded vehicle? I don't know. It's impounded. It is. So You already had it! <laughs> you are what did, it was in your possession. It's not you a, didn't lose the keys to the car. It's not a butterfinger situation. It's not something that can slip through your fingers. It's a literal car boat. Mm. Yes. I'm so mad. It's a land boat. Okay. Um, so the car had been searched before Tool confessed to killing Adam Walsh. Uh, investigators used luminol to find blood evidence. Right. And boy, did they. Of course they did. Um. In one photo of the rear floorboard of the car, there appears to be a face print in the carpet made from blood. Okay. Don't get too excited about it. So, former Miami Beach detective Joe Matthews 
believes that the image in the carpet is absolutely the outline of Adam's face, saying, I have a blood transfer from Adam's face onto the carpet. You can actually see his image. It's as clear as the Shroud of Turin, Veronica's veil. It's clear. Reve Walsh also believes the photo shows her son's face. To me, it was the one thing that a mother knows is that this is their child, that this picture is their child. This is the piece of evidence that ties everything together for me, and I can go to my grave knowing that not only that I did everything I could, but that I found my answers in that photo. Now, I've looked at the picture that allegedly contains the bloody face print of Adam Walsh. It's clear as well? The paranormal investigator in me says it's pareidolia. Okay. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially seeing objects or faces and things that aren't really there. Uh, Merriam-Webster definition is the tendency to perceive a specific, often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous visual pattern. So like seeing a giraffe in a cloud, a butterfly on fire in an inkblot test, uh, Abraham Lincoln on a tortilla. Yes. <laughs> that just, or... Jesus on toast. Yes. Or like when you look at the stove and you can make out a face out of like the buttons and the handle... Just For those of you who are fans, the Virgin Mary in a water stain. Also, yeah. yes. Yeah. Possibly the Belmez faces. Throwing it back. Um, so paranormal investigators deal with this all the time. Is it just a random reflection or is that the face of someone's great uncle Morton? Right. I don't know. It's absolutely possible it's Adam. But I feel that it's equally likely that it isn't. Uh, he was a killer. Dude's a, dude's a murderer. Again. It could be anyone's face. Yeah. I will. Or... Not a face at all. Or not a face. Or not a face at all. Um, So, for a parent that's lost their child in such a traumatic way, it's beyond understandable that they would see their child's face when it was presented to them as such. Um, The powers of suggestion and grief combine to make sense of the senseless. Uh, However, there's some doubt about whether or not the luminol in the photo actually picked up on blood or not, and some people believe that the luminol was actually reacting to metal that had been found in the car. Um... And despite Tool claiming that he tossed Adam's head into that spot, there still isn't concrete proof that the boy was ever in Tool's car. Uh, The photo that Detective Matthews claims is irrefutable proof is a manipulated image. Oh. Matthews took the original photo, flipped it, zoomed in, cropped, and inverted it. Okay. Are you going to pull it up? Yep. There is one image that's a side-by-side of the original image and then the one that Matthews manipulated. Also, I'm going to mention, I didn't write it down, but he wrote a book about this case. Okay. And I believe it came out around the same time. Right. So, there's that. Yeah. So I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Oh, the man who found the image is writing a book about the image? He did, yes. Okay. About the whole case. Oh. Um, I wonder what motivation was there. Shocking. Right. Uh, so, Otis Tool confessed and was charged and convicted of Adam Walsh's murder, right? Of course not. He was sentenced to death in 1984, which was eventually commuted to life in prison, unrelated to Adam Walsh. Uh, he did tell the police where they could find Adam's remains, but after searching where he told them to, police found nothing. Uh, Tool also once stated that his literal partner in crime, Henry Lee Lucas, had been the one to decapitate Adam, and Lucas confirmed that information. So that's what they showed the Walshes. Yep. Which, like... On the right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, but on the left is the original. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been, you can see where it's been Very digitally altered. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. they killed all the white. They brought the blues down. They flipped. Yeah. So yeah. I can see, like, yeah, that kind, like, kind of looks like a yeah, face. Yeah, if, if someone tells you it's a face, you're going to see a face. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, no, that just looks, honestly, that could be a greasy footprint from someone who sat in the back. Mm-hmm. It could be rust underneath the carpet. Yeah, yeah be... I see what he did there. Because, yeah. I mean, on the right, I'm looking at it. I mean, yeah, I definitely see a face. But from the original photo, no, I don't see jack Not shit. So it's definitely a manipulated photo. Exactly. And presenting well, And we it... see this shit all exactly. the time. And that's like, so presenting that to an already grieving family, be like, look at this picture. It's your yeah, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitty. Yeah, that's super shitty. And aside from the fact that if I, I don't know that that photo as a parent would give me any comfort or closure or make me feel better about fucking anything because in terms of, I mean, blood faces go, that's pretty fucking horrifying. Yeah. It's awful. So, um, I'm assuming we'll post this. Oh yeah. (laughs) So everybody knows what the fuck we're pissed off about right now. Don't you worry. So, oh yeah. He... Henry Lee Lucas said that he had been the one to decapitate him, and Lucas confirmed that, yes, he had done that. However, Henry Lee Lucas had been in prison during the crime. There it is. There it is. Oh, here we go. There's more. Uh, So you see, Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas loved confessing to crimes that they didn't actually commit. Why? I don't know. Uh, But it seemed to the police that it was a very bizarre game of one-upsmanship. Well, it's for the same reason that at first, when Samuel Little confessed to 93, they were like, fuck no. Absolutely not. But, well, only difference is, he was telling the truth. Right, but a lot of murderers do that because they like to kill and it makes them feel important. It makes them... I'm gonna just go... It's it's a notch in their belt, right? I'm just gonna say right now, Otis Toole and Henry Lee Lucas combined uh, confessed to Hundreds, if not thousands, of crimes. Yeah. That and I'm they guessing didn't commit. most of which they weren't even fucking physically able to commit. Probably. Right. Um, so the pair, who were lovers, gross. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, confessed to hundreds, if not thousands, of crimes that they didn't actually commit. Both um, both dudes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the tool would confess to killing Adam Walsh multiple times and recant. Each confession, every time. And details Mm. that he would give changed every time. But that's a shitty thing because, again, you wouldn't put it past him for actually doing it either. Um, So, confessed, recanted. It's also believed and pretty widely accepted that law enforcement officers were feeding information to Tool uh, by showing him photos, plying him with details of the case in the hopes that he would be reminded of something that he hadn't yet shared. Mm -hmm. So they're basically giving him him this information that might not have been made public knowledge yet. Yeah, because they want to be able to And they want him to be like, yeah, exactly, that's exactly what I did. This is exactly where I hid his body. Except they there. seemed to forget they were dealing with Otis fucking Tool, who is a giant liar. Right. An opportunist. Yeah. So, terrible yeah. idea. Um, God, I'm mad. So, yeah. drink. <laughs> Randall's peeing. Go drink. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah, again, clearly didn't work because he was getting information from the police, which was kind of how he learned about it first place aside from the movie during one of his confession phases 
he said that he felt kind of bad about killing Adam Walsh and that he was the youngest person that he'd killed. Gross. Yeah. Otis Tool died in prison in 1996 from cirrhosis, and it was rumored that he also died of complications from AIDS. Okay. Which would not shock me. Not in the eight, no. No. Um, yeah, because he was imprisoned in 83. Right. So. Yep. Um, on December 16th, 2008, Hollywood police chief um, Chadwick E. Wagner officially announced that Adam Walsh's case was closed and that Otis Tool had posthumously been confirmed as the murderer Um, on what grounds he confessed oh cool but also so wagner went on to apologize for all of the mistakes that had been made during the investigations and apologized directly to the walsh family as well Hmm. Uh, considering tool's infamous need to confess to crimes he didn't commit coupled with adam's murder not fitting tool's known mo and the fact that important evidence had been misplaced, again, like a whole ass car covered in DNA that could have been tested now. And the fact that Tool had been dead for 12 years, Wagner went on to say that if you're looking for that magic wand, that one piece of evidence, it's not there in regards to Tool's guilt. Right. Um, and I find it interesting. So, yeah, he confessed, but then... They, 12 years later, it was well after known. he's dead, they're like, yep, nope, it was definitely him. Yep. What? Yeah. Um, the decision to officially close the case was made after Tool's niece claimed that he had confessed to killing Adam Walsh on his deathbed. Which, again, he had done many times. Right. And he was a fucking liar. Um, after that statement from his niece and re-examining evidence which they didn't say what um there was no doubt that tool was their guy john walsh following wagner's statement said we can now move forward knowing positively who killed our beautiful little boy and in her own statement revey said nothing is going to bring adam back nothing's going to bring him back so the most we could hope for would be to have peace knowing that we know what happened we know the end result and the puzzle is finished however is it really According to multiple people, Otis Tool isn't the man who killed Adam Walsh. So here are a few other theories and suspects. Yes. This is a theory I have questions about. Uh, true crime author Jay Harris doesn't believe that Adam Walsh was murdered and believes that he's alive somewhere. Okay. According to Harris, uh, the dental records used to ID Adam may have been questionable at best. Uh, The remains discovered in the canal had a metal filling on the lower left molar. And according to Adam's dental records, so did he. However, this was a common spot for kids to get cavities. And the medical examiner who ID'd Adam wasn't a dental expert. Um, He just did it. Like, he looked at the thing and looked at the head and was like, yep, that's it. But they didn't, like, measure anything. Okay. So there's no... So there was that. Um, uh, in fact, the medical examiner who ID'd Adam was uh, allegedly a clinical pathologist, which is someone who examines tissue, and that's it. Okay, but his head was identified. I'll get there. Uh, the morgue where Adam's remains were taken in Vero Beach didn't have a forensic pathologist at the time, uh, since they were such a small operation, and that's the kind of person that would do a more in-depth... Right. Uh, examination. 
Um, Harris also points out that in spite of visual confirmation that the remains were of Adam Walsh, there's a shocking amount of paperwork missing, including Adam's dental records and x-rays, any identification documents, and the in-depth write-up that usually follows the cover page of an autopsy uh, from the official medical examiner's files. In fact, neither the police nor the medical medical examiner's office had an autopsy report for Adam Walsh. And the chief pathologist who conducted the autopsy admitted that he never wrote one. So there's that. And perhaps his most, or only, compelling piece of evidence in this theory? Adam's gap tooth smile. And this, I have questions. This one makes me like... "Mm." The rest of it just sounds like shoddy, small town... Right. Everybody's bungling everything because nobody's had to deal with anything like this before. Right. This, however, is a little different. Uh, so if you're even slightly aware of this case, you've seen the photo of the smiling Adam in his baseball kit. Uh, he's missing his two front teeth. And according to the Walshes, that photo was used because it was the most recent picture of Adam and had been taken a week before his abduction. Um. In the limited information provided about his remains, it states that the child's left upper front tooth was almost all the way in. Harris doubts that the widely circulated photo had actually been taken a week before Adam's disappearance, but says it's most likely that they received the professional photos um, a week beforehand. Like they got them back because they professionally went to a studio, I think. Um, and they were probably taken closer to a month before Adam went missing. Sounds about right for sports teams yeah. and stuff. So he managed to track down a man that had been Adam's best friend at the time and asked him about Adam's appearance. Um, the man told Harris that he'd seen Adam maybe a week or two before he went missing um, and that his two top front teeth were 100% missing. Uh, according to Harris, the best last seen alive description of Adam is in a teletype Hollywood police sent to another police agency. It reads that Adam's top left front tooth is partially grown in. A week or not much more before he disappeared, Adam had no top front teeth. Sometime after that, his top left front tooth apparently erupted. Two weeks after his disappearance, the found child, who had been dead for at least some time, the Broward M.E. told the press that it was possibly all two weeks, had a top left front tooth that was in almost all the way. In the judgment of a University of Florida forensic anthropologist I spoke to, who had taken his own photos of the head as a skull for Hollywood police years later. Could that work? Could a six-year-old grow a top... Uh, Because a six-year-old grow in a top front tooth nearly all the way in a week or not much more than that. I wanted to be definitive. I asked pediatric and forensic dentists and the parents of kids who'd passed that age. All of them said, most bluntly, by one forensic dentist in Hollywood, there's no way in hell. Oh, shit. So. Interesting theory. Right? Still weird. Um, So, Harris also claims that the authorities had found and tested hairs from the backseat of Tool's Cadillac. Uh, the DNA from the hair was then compared to samples that had allegedly been taken from Adam's remains, but they weren't a match. Which means Adam Walsh was never in Otis Tool's car, or that the head discovered in the canal wasn't Adam Walsh. Huh. Also, for whatever reason, it appears that uh, DNA tests weren't done on the remains to confirm that they belonged to Adam. Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, how much, how much more can you fuck up one case? Uh, I, th- I think that's it. 
Um, you wrote it, so. Right. I think, <laughs> I think that's all. Uh, again, this is all according to Harris, who believes there's no solid proof that Adam Walsh is dead and that the scant evidence that does exist would have never held up in court. Interesting. Which, that, in 1981, without DNA stuff. Right. I could have seen someone getting a mistrial for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there's not, there's just not enough. Um, Retired police detective John Cameron believes that serial killer Edward Wayne Edwards was responsible for the murder of Adam Walsh. Uh, he was arrested and jailed in 2009 for four murders and confessed to a fifth while behind bars. His own daughter tipped off the police to two of the killings. Yes, uh, Ed Edwards. And Edwards is suspected to have murdered between nine and 15 additional people. He's on the list. I was just going to say, I'm not getting into him too deeply because I'm sure one of us will cover him in the near future. Uh, but he was also suspected of being behind the murders of uh, John Benet Ramsey and Teresa Halbach. Mm. And for being the Zodiac killer. <laughs> he sure was. And I'm not saying he is or isn't, but we will get there someday. Oh, I will. Uh, he, that one, though, I think he is... That's really goddamn funny. A pretty good candidate for... For Zodiac? Zodiac. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he was arrested in 2009, but he, again, like Samuel Little, uh, Joseph D'Angelo, had been operating for decades before mm -hmm. he was caught yeah mm. yeah yeah okay. um so it wasn't like he murdered two people in 2009 and got arrested no 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 he was in he was an old man yeah when they put him in prison like like golden gate or yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Go golden state killer thank you yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 same thing yeah like he was he was elderly yeah ed edwards dude's a trip oh boy dude's a trip oh yeah um sounds like it there were a few more suspects that were questioned and released, but there's one among them that's of more particular interest than the others. And that is Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer's a suspect. Mm -hmm. huh. Was he in Florida at the time? He was. Uh, if you've listened to our Patreon episode, you'll recall that he was living and working in Miami at the time. Uh, the deli where he worked was about a 20-minute drive from Hollywood, and two witnesses claimed to have seen him at the Sears the day Adam went missing. Uh, one woman, Janice Santamassino, said that once I saw the picture of Dahmer, I said, that's him. That's who I saw. She also claimed to have seen a disheveled man uh, as she was leaving the Sears toy section with her four-year-old daughter and said that he just gave me a bad, uncomfortable feeling. It was spooky. Not long after seeing the man, she says she heard Adam's name being called over the intercom. Um, another witness, former Miami Herald press member Willis Morgan, told the police that he had been accosted by, uh, or he had been aggressively approached by a strange man in the radio shack. So, unable to shake his weird feeling after the man left the store, Morgan followed him into the Sears toy department and then left. Right. Uh, he says that he didn't realize the man was Jeffrey Dahmer until 10 years later, which would make sense because that was, I believe, when Jeffrey Dahmer was arrested. Six is so far out of the. I was going to say that doesn't Dahmer. That doesn't fit. Don't his... you worry, I will get there. Okay. <laughs> um. So, ten-year-old Timothy Pottenberg told police that he had seen Adam get pulled into a light blue van the day he disappeared. Dahmer's work vehicle happened to be a light blue van. Uh, Dahmer also regularly lied about his working hours and would just not show up when he was supposed to. Right. If you'll remember, he mm -hmm. was an alcoholic. He was. 
Uh, two Publix truck drivers called the police the day after the remains were discovered to report uh, seeing a blue van parked off of the turnpike just after midnight on August 7th near mile marker 131. One of the men, Dennis Bubb, claimed that he had seen a man with a flashlight near the canal and radioed Clifford Ramey, who had been following behind him. Uh, Ramey tried to see if the man had maybe been having car trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't notice anything like a flat tire and the hood wasn't up. Uh, he also claimed to have seen the man fumbling with a bucket while leaning through an open sliding side door. Both men spoke with Hollywood police and were told that their encounter had nothing to do with the murder of Adam Walsh. Oh. Yeah, they're like, nah. So huh. there was also a very convincing composite sketch that happened to look like Dahmer. However... It was 1981, and a lot of men looked like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Right? Mustache, glasses. For sure. It was a Luke. Right. Uh, in fact, one Sears security guard believed that the sketch could have been him. Like oh, he wow. himself. He's yeah. Like, well, that looks like me. Uh, because he had been chasing a shoplifter that day and uh, thought that maybe someone gave a description of him because he's like, I think that's actually me. I was chasing someone, and I could have looked suspicious. That, (laughs) yikes. Uh, So after that, police kind of gave up on the composite being helpful. But a lot of people looked at it and were like, that looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, guess what? Again, it was 1981. A lot of men looked like Jeffrey Dahmer in 1981. You're telling me some dude with weird hair, a mustache, some glasses, and looked disheveled and drunk was in a Sears? Weird. (laughs) Right? In in Florida? Right. I get why people would love to put this one on Dahmer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a pretty convincing suspect at first glance. Absolutely. He was in the area, was known to mutilate and decapitate his victims. However, if Dahmer was one thing that was honest about his crimes. Yeah. Uh, When asked if he had anything to do with Adam's murder, he said nothing to do with it. During an interview in the early 90s, Adam was brought up again. And Dahmer said, I've told you everything. How I killed them, how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did someone else? Right. And six is a... That's... That's so young for Dahmer. For Dahmer. Yeah. So young for Dahmer. I think the youngest was 12. I was going to say 14. Yeah, between 12 and 14, I believe. Yeah, I mean, he um, liked them pubescent. Yeah. Um, John Walsh, upon learning of Dahmer's rumored involvement, stated that he'd seen no evidence linking Adam's case to Dahmer. And I'm inclined to agree on that one. Yeah, no, uh, Dahmer, I don't think Dahmer did yeah, that. No, Dahmer's he freely youngest victim and openly was admitted to yeah, all of 14. his crimes. Sorry. Oh no, it's fine. Fourteen. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, he um, liked them pubescent because yeah. it was a. It was. Yeah. Um. So he can he confessed to everything in great right. detail. Right. 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 He had no desire to live. So why would he lie about what would be considered the most heinous act of killing a six-year-old child? Right. He wouldn't have. No. He no. literally wanted to die. Yes. So he was just, everything was out on the table. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really, it's just, that one is a very interesting coincidence. Yeah. 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 Like, just, and, and those things do fucking happen. It's a weird fucking world. Yeah. There, I I would not put Dahmer in not But like, a that's, bit. that's also like saying there's a serial killer on the loose. He's a male between five foot nine and six foot, somewhat heavy set with a beard and short hair, wearing flannel in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So everybody. He looks like all of them. Right. Um, even though the case was officially closed over a decade ago, there are still so many questions surrounding this pseudo-solved case. 
Uh, the Walsh family has accepted Otis Tool as the monster that took their son from them, yeah. but I still wonder. Um, and his body has never been recovered. Interesting. And that is the awful story of the murder of Adam Walsh. God damn. Well, if there wasn't any reason to be pissed off at cops before. <laughs> this will wow. get you. Uh, just. God damn. Bungling. What horrific detective work. Oh, yeah. Losing an entire car. How do you lose a car? I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm so mad about that. You should be. It's infuriating. Hey, guys, I lost one. already in your possession. It's like losing that chair right now. Yeah. Right? Like, you turn around, you're like, hey. How? What? Yeah. I don't understand. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Sources. Time.com, Olivia B. Waxman. Ranker.com, Amanda Sedlak-Hevener, History.com, Uprocks.com, Daniel Figueroa, and Arthur J. Harris. Local10.com, Michelle F. Solomon, Wikipedia, Bizarrepedia, Arthur J. Harris. ABCnews.go.com, Dan Harris and Claire Peterson. SunSentinel.com, EnslaveryNow.com, JusticeForAdam.com, Willis Morgan. Uh, HollywoodReporter.com, Gary Baum, and InvestigationDiscovery.com, Catherine Townsend. Well, shit. Right? Like, I thought I thought you were asking me what the fuck I was doing because I just I was looking down my shirt because all of a sudden I forgot what bra I wore today, <laughs> and so I had to look. And then I look up and Randall's pointing at me like, and he was asking me silently if I had cited my sources, which I oh. did. But I thought at first it was because you were wondering what the fuck I was doing looking down my own no. shirt. That's amazing. No, you look at your own titties as much as you want. I to. forgot what bra I had on today. <laughs> I don't have one on. I haven't in months. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I shan't. Yeah, fuck them. Um, but yeah, I I just can't be certain that Otis Tool did it. No. I don't. You, but that's the thing. I mean, with him, them. Yeah. Can't, I, Almost everything that. Exactly. It was, there was so much, and there was no, like his stories constantly changed. There was no evidence where he said it would be. Right. So I'm just, I don't think he did it. You know, and Dahmer would have admitted to it. He, 100%. Um, so, and a couple of the other suspects were actually, like, interviewed and cleared. Like, they didn't, um, they didn't do it. Well, and some, they used uh, lie detector tests. So, yeah, you know, well, can yeah. be garbage. But, no. whatever Somebody other got away evidence they had, yeah. So somebody but, got away with murder of some fucking pedophile out there. The Walsh family has long accepted because Otis Tool was their main suspect starting in eighty three because of his jailhouse confession. Mm-hmm. But I still just have Do we a... know his his MO? Um well he mostly shot his victims. Okay. I believe. Mm. Um yeah. and they were older. Yeah. Um, like I want to say late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Minimum. I mean, you, they should have been looking for a straight up fucking pedophile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Yeah. But that was at the time when child abductions like that weren't. Yeah. Like it was. Taken that seriously. I mean, it seemed right. relatively new. I mean, of course, it had probably happened, but they were so rare. And then to have two happen within two years of each other. Um, so I believe 
Etan Peltz was abducted when he was walking to school, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, it was just like mind boggling, especially stranger abductions, which are less common than children being abducted by a family member or someone that they know. Right, right. So they were just like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. And again, it was 1981. So there was not DNA. No, there was. To, I mean, it was there, but there's nothing they could do with it. Right. Um, and it was such a small, I want to say, like, my instinct is to say, like, Mayberry police department situation. I'm right, sure it was right. bigger, but not by much. And that was the beginning of Stranger Danger, y'all. And that was the beginning of Stranger Danger. After that, that was kind of when... Oh, they taught this shit in schools? Yep. Parenting styles changed. Stranger Danger uh, was everywhere. I think I heard you mention it, but I just want Did you bring up Megan's Law? Megan? No. Uh, John Walsh and his wife had a daughter named Megan. Okay. I did not bring up Megan's Law, but okay. that is another. Yeah, that's where all the, you can find all of the, um, a map of all the registered sex offenders mm-hmm. in your area. Mm-hmm. That is also a very, very sad case. Um, I don't know that one, but I know what it resulted in. It's I do. rough. I do, and it's, here's the thing. You will never hear me cover these kinds of kids. I can't do it. Oh. I can't. Yeah. I cannot. Like, God bless you for it. You did a really good job. I couldn't have done it. Thank you. I couldn't have done it. So we know no kid cases out of you. Nope. Unless they're like this, where it's just a missing kid. Yeah, just weird fucking story. Yeah. Yeah, But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because you've got children. Probably. Most likely. Probably. Um, I don't. Yeah. I have many, a tiny niece and nephew, but it's different. Yeah, no, these those ones I just can't do it. Can't. I hate it. Yeah. But I always feel like the ones that I do tell are important to one hundred percent. They're so, not just oh yeah. it's blatant frivolous it's not for nothing. horrible no. murder <laughs> for no Rough. reason. Hey but. Z, come into the studio and bum us the fuck out today, would you? Okay. <laughs> I just do it for fun. No. Um but yeah, it's, I just, that feeling where I'm just like, I don't think Otis Tool did it. I think Fair. he just wanted the credit and Fair. the attention because yeah, that's what he was all about. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. You should pull up a picture of Otis Tool. Oh, they're not attractive. No. <laughs> Yikes. Just serial killer, are they them? No, no, oh, she she uh, it was coupling both of them. They're a couple. They oh. yeah, murdered together. Yeah, Henry Lee Lucas and um, Otis Tool. It's Otis with two T's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Oh. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they were not. This man is not pretty. Oh no 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 um, no no. So have you ever seen, um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? No. Mm-mm. Number one. Great movie. Absolutely terrifying. About him. When you know it's a real person. Uh And that's uh, where Michael Rooker got his big break. I love that. Because he played played Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, Oh, okay. He's... Oh, Michael Rooker is a fucking monster. It's really funny. (laughs) I met him a handful of times when I was working at all the cons, and he is one of the goofiest and nicest men in the entire world, but he is so good at playing terrifying bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's usually the case I found with people that are like known for playing villains. 
They're yeah. usually the nicest Rad people in the fucking world. people. Uh, Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead, is uh, a fucking just beautiful human. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad. He's amazing. He's so good. He's you, such a dope dude. Did you see the uh, makeup I posted that I had done? I think so. Um, it was uh, Victor, my friend, mm-hmm. and I teamed up and did this kid's cosplay makeup at Wizard World one year when Giancarlo Esposito was there. Mm. And he actually left his booth and came over to Victor and I to tell us how awesome the makeup we had done was and let us take a picture with him and Matt, the kid doing Carlos or Giancarlo's cosplay. Mm-hmm. It was Gus. Gus, yeah. uh, When he gets exploded. I did see you. Do- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he came over and was like, oh, it's really fucking cool. And he's like, will you take a picture? And I'm like, yeah, he sure will. <laughs> yeah, he's is, he is a super cool dude. He's so nice. He smelled really good, too. He's um, Italian. Yeah, he's great. I love him and The Mandalorian, too. Yeah. So great. good. Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Robert England. Oh, sure. Sweet and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Berryman from The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, uh, Javier Bardem. Ooh, I yeah. know. I'll bet he smells really good. I, I bet he does. He looks he, like he'd smell good. He looks like such a rad dude, and he played one of the coolest villains, two of the coolest villains I've ever seen. Oh, No Country for Old Men. Yes. No Country and uh, Skyfall. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep. Also from The I've Walking Dead. He's head. dope. He's the nicest bear of a man yeah. ever. And he's he, a massive human being, isn't he's, he? He's manly. Like yeah. when you say manly, that is the definition in my head is just Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Sure. He smells like leather and <laughs> musk. And it was great. I'm like, sir, you better keep your beard away from my mouth because for some reason I want to put it in there. <laughs> so weird thing. To oh, put Tom your Felton. Mouth. I know. It was weird to experience when I met him. I was like, why? Why, why do I want to suck on your beard? What? This is weird that's now. That's never a thing that's happened before in my life, but for some reason, right in this moment, it's a thing I want to do real bad. Uh, Tom Felton. Tom Felton, yes. Jason Isaacs, and Ray Fiennes. Yes. Lovely. Yeah. All played horrendous dicks in Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's all, that's my favorite thing. Like, it's uh, James Margers. Mm-hmm. Spike from Buffy. Yeah. Yep. Super nice. Uh and I haven't met anyone that has, like, gone against my theory yet that people who play villains are usually the nicest people. Like, every encounter I've had personally with people that are known for playing villains, they've all been wonderful. What the fuck is his name? Which is weird. But I love it. Nice. Yeah. It's great. Um, but yeah, I don't... I don't... So it's it. apparently Missing Kid Day here at yeah. Ghosts and Hosts. Missing Six-Year-Old Boy Day. Disheveled Men. Weird. Very. Uh, but yeah, I do recommend watching uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer. I think it's on Shudder. Okay. Um, yeah, it was really, it's one of those movies where you're like, this, this can't have really happened. This, right. And it's oh, just, but it did. it's a really slow burn. Got it. And then when it ends, you're just like, what the fuck? That's how I'm feeling about Mindhunter. Oh, I still God. haven't. I still. Haven't. I just watched. Damn. I just watched first episode, season one, and I'm just like, huh. Keep going. Okay. I almost didn't watch it because right? the first episode is so off-putting. 
I'm just like so. No, that main character, the kay. main character Holden, is such a fucking asshole. I hate him so much. And like, I think I met, I messaged you. I think maybe I think so. when I first started watching, I'm like, it better fucking get better because <laughs> I hate this. Yeah. And it turns into one of the coolest shows you'll ever watch. I promise. I don't mind him. I'm just like. Keep plugging along. You, but, okay, it's gotcha. great. I have David Fincher knows yet. what he's doing. Right, I haven't well, that's what I'm going to go do. So finish that. Um, and I don't think they're coming back for a third season. Uh, David Fincher has said it is basically all but dead Aww. because it is so resource heavy. Oh, it's it's like one of the most expensive shows Netflix has ever done. Hey, you need someone to research stuff? I will do it. For <laughs> I think it's more an eighth. I think it's because David Fincher. Well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. He's like, no, everything must be opulent. Right. <laughs> I need you to go back in time and get the exact T-shirt that this murderer was wearing in prison. Mm-hmm. So help me God if I find less than this many threads. Right. Yeah. Did you see, uh, you saw Zodiac, right? Oh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. So Mindhunter is basically Zodiac, the TV show. Because okay. it's the I same guy. Zodiac, it's the so. same guy okay. who made it. All right. Well, I'll figure it I out. I still have not seen Zodiac either. Oh. I know. I love Jake Gyllenhaal and also oh, that good. face, so I don't and, know why. And right. fucking. And the soundtrack. Ah, uh, uh, Twisty the Clown. Yeah. And... Oh, John yeah, yeah, yeah. Carroll Lynch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love him. He's yeah. in it, and he's so good. He is. He's a, he needs to be in more things. He does. He's always amazing in everything he's in. Also, remember when he was on the Drew Carey show? Yeah. I really do. No, because I didn't watch. The I Drew love Carey the Drew Carey show. Same. I want Buzz Beer. I feel like that has to be a thing. I just haven't found well, it. Well, not there's like, coffee stouts. Yeah, exactly. I will like not Buzz Beer itself, but like coffee beer. I want coffee beer. It has to be anyway. All right. Well, I have a feral demon. I have to go pick up. Oh lord. So, yeah, but. Uh, exactly. So we've done done it. We've done done it. We've done done it. You had something to say. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Make, I'll make it quick. Uh, today I found out my brother tested positive for COVID, mm, and an old coworker of mine from Disney died. Oh of no! COVID. Uh, stay the fuck inside. Wash your goddamn hands. It is okay not to make plans. My brother is a manager at a restaurant, and two people from the restaurant tested positive, which is how he got uh, basically tipped oh. off. He's like, "Oh, that's probably where I got it." Uh, so it spreads real easy, mm-hmm. and it—I mean, take your chances all you want, but um, yeah, it's—you know—he's my brother's eight days into it, and he's probably going to be okay. But you know, next week we may not have a show because of what happens with that. Mm. So, I'm sorry, that yeah. sucks. That's what it is. <sighs> Wash your hands. And Just stay home. It's okay. Don't go out if you don't have to. Because it's not really getting any better. It's not getting better. It is continually getting worse. California is getting four times the cases on a daily basis that New York was when it was at its peak at the beginning. They're getting between thirty and 60,000 cases a day. And not to mention now there's the mutated version from the UK is Mm -hmm. in the States, which means it could be here any any day yeah if it's not already and that one is i guess even more contagious somehow Mm -hmm. 
The one we have now is more contagious than the original one from yeah. Wuhan. Yeah, that's and then the, the mutated one from fucking UK mm-hmm. and like, South oh, Africa. It's the super COVID. Like, mm-hmm. No, thank you, please. Yeah. So oh. you know, uh, when you say you want to care for another person, uh, put your actions behind it and mean it. There that's you all. Go. There you go. Well, that's it. We done done it, y'all. We did it. So you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, share, share, share. All of it. Share it with your favorite people, you know. If you want to hear exclusive content and see Z's boobs, you can become a patron on our Patreon. I mean, after today's story, maybe. I feel like you may have earned it after today. But only maybe. We'll see how I feel later. Fair. <laughs> well, till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Gwyneth, and your exploding vagina candle. I hope it happens for real. I hope your <laughs> pussy explodes. Fuck you, whoever lost a whole ass car. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck you. Yep. Yeah. 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 Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>